Happy Wednesday. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash. News Talk 840 KXNT. Tis I, Sam, your host. Grateful to be here with you today. Uh, Look, national news ties in with local news. I think that's going to be the theme of the show today. Uh, Bringing this first and foremost up to the, uh, the issue of what's going on in Florida. Now, I haven't touched this all week. And I've been, you know, I've been waiting kind of in the in the sidelines to figure out how to present all of this to you and to, to digest it properly. But there is a big to do right now going on in Florida as it relates with Disney and specifically Disney World. Now, if you'll recall, a couple months ago, uh, Disney waded into the controversy regarding the "Don't Say Gay" bill, and. We, I think, at great length took apart that bill. By the way, most legislation, when the government, whether it's the federal, state, even local government, when they pass legislation, we're talking about thousands of pages, maybe hundreds of pages. This particular bill that deals with curriculum education and basically disallowing Florida educators from talking about uh, gender and sex issues with kids uh, below a certain age, uh, this bill is it's seven pages, very thin, very short. Anyone can read it, peruse it, and figure out what's in it. And that's what we did here and looked at it. And, and, and it's not a don't say gay bill. And so I don't even like using, those, using that term for it because it's not, it's, not, it's not correct. And nonetheless, the bill uh, at first, the CEO of Disney said, you know, this is not our problem. You know, we're a private company. We don't want to deal with it. And then he faced enormous backlash from rank and file members of the Disney work family. And so now there is chaos in the mouse house because this all has now garnered some blowback. And today, hours ago, the Florida Senate, the upper body of the state assembly, of Florida voted to eliminate Disney's tax privilege, their self-governing status. Now, many people are now just figuring out what this all entails. And I'll explain it to you just very briefly here, not to get into the weeds, but all the way back in 1967, the state legislature in Florida created something called the Reedy Creek Improvement District, and it basically allowed Disney to come in and create its own county. Right. And it's in fact, I believe it's two counties, not to be too uh, again, not to get too detailed about it. But nonetheless, they're allowed to set up their own police force, their own fire department, their own uh, licensing agencies. And and specifically in, in regards to development, they don't have to get approval from anyone but themselves if they want to, let's say, I don't know, build another park or build. you know, add to a park or, you know, I don't know, switch a front gate or anything like that. So where, for example, Disneyland, located in Anaheim, many of us here in Southern Nevada go there and have been there. If if Disneyland wants to build a new ride, they have to get permission from the County of Orange, right? Which is a, a traditional, typical, normal county. Not to be confused with the County of Orange that is in Florida that's part of this Reedy Creek development deal. 
So basically, back in 1967, the state of Florida gave this giant gift to Disney. They said, all right, you want to come in here. That's why we want your money. We certainly want your investment, but we want, we, in turn, we will give you this, essentially, this, this massive economic opportunity zone. Now, if any of this sounds familiar to you, remember Governor Sisolak floated something very similar not too long ago, the innovation zones, and he wanted to have blockchains LLC come in and create its own zone. And, you know, it's... This is a common thing that governments do to roll out the carpet to big business. Now, I want to approach this from a perspective of principled conservatism because because I, I see right now, and I'm hearing a lot of blowback on this from folks saying, well, see, look at this. Look at these Republicans. They don't like it when, you know, they like business and they like free markets. Like free markets, as long as those businesses don't exercise their free speech rights and get involved in politics in a way that displeases those wascally Republicans. And my retort to this is that principled conservatism believes in the free market full stop, end of sentence. And the free market system of government creates economic opportunity zones for every business, not just big business. There's economic liberties for all. And my greatest problem with American economics in general, and I will add to this, right, the big business wing of the Republican Party, those folks that are tied closely, let's say, to the Chamber of Commerce, for example, these people, Right? They don't, they don't necessarily believe in a free market. They believe in a free market that works for them. A free market that gives advantages to big business in particular. And I have frequently spoken about this. By the way, let's take, let's step back from the gender issues, right? Let's step back from, uh, you know, this, the, the current zeitgeist. And let's go back to what used to be controversial before all of this exploded. And that was, I don't know, legal immigration. And I have been saying this since I, for years now. I've been saying that it's the reason that our government has for so long been permissive as to illegal immigration and allowing it to become, well, allowing the backdoor entry into the country to be, be, be de facto accepted law and order of operations of how things work is because the Democrats have their reasons for why they like illegal immigration. We know what those are. But the Republicans, every election cycle, you know, we voters, we Republican voters, we are like abused people. We're abused voters because what happens every four years, every two years, every six years, depending on what office it is, the guy or gal gets up there and says, I am going to stop illegal immigration. But just as they're saying that to you and to me to get our votes, what are they doing behind the scenes? They're getting big dollar contributions from big business, from Chamber of Commerce, all these folks who have, and this is the dirty secret, right? They have a vested interest in illegal immigration continuing forever and always. And so what you have here is the same, I call it stupidity, or I would say blindness, or, but certainly short-sightedness, that these, you know, that Republicans want to help the economy, understand the economy, 
but they end up in bed with these giant corporations and then are surprised when these giant corporations end up turning on us. And we're seeing this now with Disney. We're seeing it with entities that maybe started out as, you know, as, as decent, uh, decent, you know, apolitical do business entities and end up becoming, uh, you know, becoming machines for, uh, for, for, for radical social change. And I'm putting that nicely, all right? So to that end, the big news out of, out of Florida is that DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, says enough. We're not doing it. We're absolutely not going to do it. And to that, to that end, there was a, you know, he's basically saying, look, we're going to pull it. And the, the, the legislature seems to be falling. So what procedurally will happen? How does this all, uh, why does this matter? Uh, one, I think that these companies have gotten used to getting so much in goodies and welfare from the state. I'm going to call it that welfare from the state that they think that they are above the law. And, uh, and look, if you're a host in a state, if you're getting benefits, if you are existing in that state and you are literally avoiding a tremendous amount of taxes and you're, you're avoiding all sorts of, of red tape and bureaucracy that every other business has to deal with, right? If I have a, if my family owns a donut shop, I, to get any kind of permit, you know this if you own a small business, any kind of permit, you are going through hoops and this and that. Meanwhile, Disney in Florida just gets to write their own laws, pass their own permits, stamp their own for and the literally minimal, if any, oversight oversight. And that's not fair. So as a guest, getting that kind of privilege, that privilege is what? It's revocable. And DeSantis is right to revoke it because he is absolutely on this particular bill and teaching, I am sorry, teaching first graders matters of sexual orientation and sexual identity gender identity is inappropriate it's actually perverse grooming behavior and so for uh for him to to put his foot down and do this and in fact uh, you know florida to, it's just it's epic and what you are seeing is the makings of the next president of the united states that is what this comes down to that is the story to follow so when we come back a little more on this and I want to tie it into, I absolutely do, because it, it goes hand in hand with this entire controversy that is brewing over the uh, Taylor Lawrence story in the Washington Post. Of course, we talked about this yesterday. It is exploding. And I do want to get into how this affects us here, right here in Las Vegas. Eye-opening. You don't want to miss it. What's right with Sam and Ash? News Talk 840 KXNT. Sam and Ash Injury Law has been named the official injury attorneys of the Henderson Silver Knights. Sam and Ash Injury Law, they care, they help, you win. 702-820-1234 or SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Friends, the libs of TikTok story is big. It's huge, uh, and I think it has some local impact on us here in Southern Nevada. What's right with Sam and Ash, News Talk 840, KXNT. Happy Wednesday. Good to be with you here today. If you miss any portion of the show, you can join us uh, after the fact at your listening convenience, and that is either on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. 
which is where the show lives. You just have to type in the whole name. What's right with Sam and Ash? And uh, lo, there we shall be. And click subscribe, and then new uh, episodes as they pop up, as they get uploaded, will come and be and there right in your phone. I don't know how else to explain that. Anyway, libs of TikTok. You know the piece yesterday that came out. Uh, Taylor Lawrence put this thing together. She's the so-called internet culture reporter over at the Washington Post. And look, and I, I, I said this yesterday. The reason that this particular account on Twitter has, has caught the ire, has gotten under the skin of the Washington Post and so many establishment liberals uh, is because it is extremely effective at taking the ridiculousness of what is going on on the left and putting it out there for the world to see. Because the truth is, you know, I, I mean, before, if it were for libs of TikTok, a lot of folks, they live, yeah, okay, they're on the platform, they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, maybe they're on Twitter, and, and they have a, a particular thing that they're following. I mean, there's things that they're interested in, and it could be politics, and it could be I don't know. It could be cars. It could be travel, food, right? And we have Food Friday here on Friday with John Curtis right here on the show. Um, so whatever the interest is, right, you're, you're sealed off from a lot of the bananas people out there that, by the way, have a, well, potentially an effect on your life, and you don't even know it. Because if you have kids, and I have kids, I talk about this frequently, I have a 14-year-old boy and then I've got two girls who are 11 and 9 and I can tell you that I want to be selective on who is an influence on my kids and that's my right as a parent and one thing that's becoming increasingly clear to me is that there are an enormous amount of educators I wouldn't say a dominant number of them yet but a large number of teachers and school administrators who really think that they have a uh, preferred or more important role or have a, a more important purpose in my children's life uh, than I do or than my wife does. And this is, uh, this is a problem. And I'm noticing it, by the way, here locally, and we've talked about this before, uh, you know, a school that once had a tremendous amount of respect across the country, the Meadows School, uh, here in Las Vegas, a school founded by Carolyn Goodman, who for many, which for many years, really uh, turned out tremendous students, and for years, by the way, was completely apolitical, right? I, I've, talked to, I've talked to folks that really high-level people that have graduated from the Meadows School, and among them liberals, among them Republicans, re conservatives, whatnot, they they will all categorically say that it was not a political place. And it has devolved, in my view, into a really a um, an activist environment. But before I get to that, I, I want to I want to just give you a taste. If you haven't watched what Libs of TikTok does, what they do is they just like I said, they take these videos of people that are out there spewing all sorts of bananas stuff. And 
the point is, is it's it's almost, and I said this yesterday, it's almost so bad, it's it's a self-parody. Now that threatens the left because they don't want everyone, they don't care about conservatives, they don't want the middle of the country laughing at them. Of course, we are. Everybody is, because this stuff is starting to uh, defy common sense. Now, I, I there was a I put together some degree of montage here that we want to, these are teachers, right? And I, I keep bringing it back to teachers because I'm bringing it back to kids. And I want to tie this back into what's going on in Florida to give some context into why these recent actions to basically uh, take away Disney's massive benefits that are given by the state, that this warrants action. Because when they talk about don't say gay, they're talking about, well, I'll have you listen, teachers like this. Hi, my name's Az and I'm a preschool teacher. Recently we started wearing pronoun pins and the kids get to pick a new pronoun pin every We have some that pick like she, her every single day and we have some that change it up. So I'm a non-binary preschool teacher and my kids know I'm non-binary. Um, they know I'm not a girl or a boy. I use they, them pronouns in the classroom. We work on it, not all the kids get it, that's okay. And I go by Mixed Gray in the classroom, not Miss or Mr. Man, y'all thought me uh, teaching the children about me being poly was crazy. But not only that, but they also know that I'm gender fluid. The kids know I'm gender fluid. My preschoolers, this person is talking about their preschoolers learning to not say Miss Gray, but Mix Gray. And understanding that, you know, that, and, and oh, and just by the way, admitting that not all of my kids understand this. Well, damn right they don't understand it because they're preschoolers. What the hell is wrong with these people? It's, it's absolutely bananas. It's unreal. And in any other form or context, these kind of conversations would be criminally unacceptable to have with such young minors. And it continues, by the way, one of these teachers is talking, this is all from Libs on TikTok, right? These are all things that, this is why the account has gotten under people's skin. This is a teacher defining trans. I'm gonna give you my explanation about what it means to be transgender as well. So when babies are born, the doctor looks at them and they make a guess about whether the baby is a boy or a girl. Yeah, that's what happens. They make a guess. None of this takes away from real issues that people have, right? I'm not, I'm not here to minimize it. But this is an insight into what is happening in schools oftentimes without parent approval. This is a problem. Here's another clip, and then we have to take a quick break, but you, you, wanna, you wanna hear this. Kids as young as three and four are actually aware of their gender identity, even if they don't have the language for it. To say that pre-K through third grade are not ready for such topics is actually internalized homophobia and transphobia. Kids as young as three and four. And that right there, that is the issue. They are looking at this as any opposition, as if somebody holding up their hands go, wait a minute, my high school kid? Okay, I understand. Let's have that conversation. But my my three-year-old, you want to have that conversation with my three-year-old? They're not ready for that. And I, as my three-year-old's parent, do not want you to have that conversation. 
And that right there is internalized, quote unquote, internalized homophobia. You cannot argue against this because what will happen is if they find you and they, they you know, even if you're doing it anonymously, uh, they're going to come out there and, and dox you and, and reveal where you live, where your address is, uh, what real estate license you hold and so forth and so on. Okay, so when we come back, I'm continuing the story. Uh, I've just gotten a little email here from some stuff going on at Meadows. So I will share that. I know some of you are very interested in this because the local school that was once great. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that. Don't go anywhere. What's right with Sam and Ash, News Talk 840 KXNT. Comfortable and confident is how Sam and Ash Injury Law clients feel after the very first call. Comfortable knowing they have decades of personal injury experience. Confident there's reputation and trust to resolve cases and to do what's right. Sam and Ash Injury Law offers platinum legal service to anyone who contacts them. Quality matters. Integrity matters. Who you hire to protect and represent you matters. If you've been hurt in an accident, choose Sam and Ash Injury Law. 702-820-1234 or SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right bottom of the hour here in beautiful sunny las vegas what's right with sam and ash continuing on powering through an hour of radio that is always happens uh this time of day uh monday through friday so listen friends uh before i get back to what we were talking about here uh, schooling, education, kids, the kind of agendas that are being pushed upon us and our families. Uh, let me just briefly say that uh, today is 420, which, uh, you know, brings about a certain conversation about marijuana. And I have this 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 one thought about this as it as it happens. I, I, I just I'm a I'm overall a, a person in favor of legalization and the 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 part of it that um uh and, and look i know with a lot of people you know uh, differing opinions and whatnot but we we're de facto legal marijuana is certainly legal here uh in nevada and it's it's just a mystery to me that it remains illegal at the federal level and to me the the, the problem with that right it's not a, really a question of marijuana and pros and cons because i will tell you i'm not a cannabis user i'm not saying i haven't used cannabis i'm just saying i'm not a cannabis user not my jam i have very few brain cells the ones i have i want i want to keep and i i want uh, i want to feel smarter uh not uh, not sleepier so at any rate not my thing but and i say this but there is a tremendous disservice being done to our economy by not allowing this to be legal at a federal level for banking to be fully engaged with the cannabis industry and also real interstate competition for these uh, cannabis uh, growers and facilities and whatnot. I think, I mean, this is, again, this is a, a thing that a lot of people know if they've lived here in Nevada for a while. It is the cannabis licensing in the state of Nevada, I mean, it is, I mean, it's gone to some worthy people and others, you know, get the license after they donate to a gubernatorial campaign or they donate to somebody on the county commission and suddenly some guy, some consortium 
of strange business people get together and they have a cannabis license. And that license currently, if utilized right, is a license to print money. And I am wildly opposed to any industry that is so regulated, right, that is so controlled where the, the idea, if do you make money, yes or no? Well, first, you've got to apply to the state to get that license. By the way, same thing for lawyers. I, I mean, I, I, I could go on and on about that separate issue. I love the idea of cannabis being legal federally for there to be interstate commerce of cannabis that would allow competition from out of state and that would frankly take states like ours where there is a good old boys network that controls all of this through all these various shady deals, schemes, and licensing endeavors that basically burns it out and big tobacco can come in and, and suddenly they're competing against big tobacco. And we'll see what a brilliant businessman you are when you don't have the state of Nevada and the county commission making it easy for you. Because I'm telling you, it's very easy to, uh, you know, to, to, to make money in an environment where you've got a product that people want. Again, I'm going to reiterate that. It's a product that people want. If you're a free market conservative, you are, you're okay with that. And, and, and now, now what? I, I want to remove regulation, right? I want to open this up into that free market and allow that free market to compete and, all of a, and, and not have it be something that benefits the few and the politically connected. So that's the word here uh, on 420. I don't know. I do not have any Elon Musk quotes about 420 today, so I have I'm, I'm empty-handed on that. A listener sent me an email uh, that came to her kids. Now this went out to sixth graders, seventh graders, uh, I think, uh, all the way up to the twelfth grade. At the Meadows School, the Meadows School is a private school here in town. It is very expensive although I will tell you a little bit about that in a minute. It is very expensive, I think 25,000 or so uh, if you're sending your kid to high school there. Uh, it was once a great school. Uh, I have a number of friends who went there who are uh, from all walks of life, of all persuasions, some very liberal, some very conservative. They all had a great experience. Some years ago, and I have it here somewhere in my stack of stuff, there was a new head of school put in. His name is Gregerson. And he rolled his sleeves up and he really went about to effect some change. And the school at that point went full woke. And I have talked to, I mean, tens of parents here in town. They are my friends. They're griping. They're grousing. I know they're moving out of the school. People who have given, literally families that have given millions of dollars to the Meadows Endowment are pulling out. And these are families you think, okay, well, the millions of dollars, those sound like some crazy right-wing, you know, Trumpists. They're not. They're just kind of middle-of-the-road people. Take it from me. It was getting weird over there. So another email came, comes out again, and it's, you know, this is from a, 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 I guess, somebody in the school administration saying that there's April 22nd. So that's this Friday will be a day of silence at the Meadows School where this a person who sent this said that she will be alongside her students, educators and community, celebrating this day of silence. 
And here's the direct quote. So participants will be taking a vow of silence to represent the silencing effect of bullying and harassment on LGBTQIA plus people. I don't know what all those letters mean. I, the first five, I think I do. But at any rate, people, their allies, those perceived to be LGBTQIA plus, period, end of sentence. Now it goes on. Part of this, uh, this package that is being sent out to students includes a badge that you print out. I, I, the way I understand it is, okay, you print it out and you, you, you put it on yourself or on your backpack or something to show your solidarity with the LGBTQIA plus day of silence. And I want to point out that, and I'm bringing this now back to this whole controversy with TikTok, libs of TikTok. Because when, you know, when, when the argument is from the folks over at the Washington Post, from this terrible writer, put the story together, Taylor Lawrence, saying that basically any opposition to, for example, teaching three and four-year-olds about gender identity is itself a, a, a form of transphobia or homophobia if it's dealing with sexual attraction issues. It's basically you being phobic, and you just fill in the blank, right? You are blank, fill in the blank, phobic. So what if I'm a kid at Meadows who decides to not put this badge on Friday, on April 22nd? I don't want to put a LGBTQIA+. I don't even know what those letters mean. It's not my thing. I'm religious. I mean, gosh forbid. You know, I, I have a lot of really great LDS friends. My wife raised LDS. Well, it's man and a wife, and, you know, and that's kind of what we're taught. And, and, and it is what it is. And... Oh, no, wait, that's homophobic. See, and now the bullying turns around. And that is, frankly, in my view, unacceptable. And some months ago, I read a, an email that was from a student at the Meadows School. It was heartbreaking. And the student, very brilliantly to the head of school and to all the administrators, wrote this exact thing, that I'm being asked, I'm being coerced into participating in all this woke BS. And I have to wear the bracelet, and I've got to wear the badge, and I've got to do all this. It's like the Hitler Youth. If you're not in it, right, if you're, if you, oh, I'm sorry, you know, the, the pioneer camp, communist pioneers, you know, with their red little uh, neckerchiefs, if you're not in it, well, you're on the outs. If you're not wearing the little pin, you're on the outs. And all of a sudden in that class, and you know how kids operate. If you're a parent, you understand this. Viscerally, you get this. Unless you are so entrenched in wanting to change and radicalize the society and ingrain in all of us this you know, thing that you're pushing, um, that you don't care. That you actually think that these kids, well... That, that, they, that they need this in order to shape up and get with the program. And I, I want, I, look, I want to hear from you, and, and you all know how to get in touch with me here. I, I, look, if you're a parent in the school or another school, and this is going on here in the Valley, I want to hear from you because this is a story that needs to be told. Now, no doubt, and I mean this, no doubt, there is a trans kid or a gay kid somewhere getting bullied. I, do, I have no doubt about that. All bullying is wrong. All of it. Unacceptable. 
but it goes both ways. And this type of coercion is swinging the pendulum the other way. And so when, when people are going to say, well, Sam, I, uh, you're, you're drawing a conclusion here. I, I'm not. And I don't have the letter now in front of me. I was looking for it because I had it printed up, and I had it in my stack of stuff, and it, 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 it disappeared. But it was a long email, and it was one, one of our past shows here where the, the student at Meadows wrote that he they, it was bullied and mocked and made fun of you. And in fact, one of the quotes was, you should just die. You know, you hateful, disgusting bigot you. Because the school, the administration was literally encouraging kids, you know, that if you're not, if you're not all for this particular agenda item, then you're not with the crowd. And the whole point of high school, in my view, high school in particular is you know, kids need to figure out what their crowd is. There shouldn't be a crowd, right? A great school gives an environment for everyone to be different. Or you have conservatives, you have, you know, Democrats, crazy liberals, whatever. You've got, you've got people who like art. You've got people that like sport. You've got all these different types of people. And that's the right school. So this is going on. And so I, went, I need to take a quick break. But why is this libs of TikTok, why does this tie into what's going into Meadows? I'll tell you. Because when the tables turn, right, when they're, it's, when the tables turn and their, their idea of, of getting bullied and bullying, it's a one-way street. They don't even understand the irony. I'm going to play the audio of Taylor Lawrence talking about that. When we return, don't go anywhere. What's right with Sam and Ash News Talk 840 KXNT? What's right with Sam and Ash, News Talk 840, KXNT. Figuring out slowly but surely all of our technical difficulties here behind the scenes. And if you're not aware of them, good. That works out. Perfect. Huge. Huge. That's right, Mark. Absolutely right. All right. The Taylor Lawrence gal over in the uh, Washington Post... She decides to write this piece about the anonymous Twitter user behind a very popular Libs of TikTok account. And to do the interview, basically, she goes around asking, uh, interviewing this lady's relative. She's showing up at people's doors and ultimately writes a piece that actually links the online version of it links to the TikTok owner's name. Right. It has her name in there, but also her address. Her licensing details, because apparently she is a realtor, and uh, and I think it may have even included a phone number. So, of course, this person on Libs of TikTok that operates the account goes into hiding. All that stuff seems very natural because um, in this day of age, crazy people will show up on your doorstep, especially if they're enraged. So you would think that having done all of this, this particular writer for the Washington Post – would have a thick skin when it comes to being exposed uh, and talked about and criticized online. Well, if you think that, you would be wrong. Here is an interview from MSNBC about three, four weeks ago. Taylor Lawrence talking about people being mean to her on the internet. Listen to this. 
I've had to remove every single social tie. I had severe PTSD from this. I, I contemplated suicide. Oh. It got really bad. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating. And terrifying. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. I'm so sorry. It's It's overwhelming. It's really hard. I, I, I have no words. Now, under any normal circumstances, I would never mock somebody for saying that they, you know, that they had suicidal thoughts and whatnot. This is a serious issue. But in this particular case, how can anyone take this seriously? It's impossible. You have someone who literally went door to door chasing down relatives, friends of some chick on the on on, on Twitter who has a popular account. And you see no connection with what you were crying about mere weeks before. And that takes me back to what I think about when I read about schools and educators, places like the Meadows and elsewhere, that that, that, that are are perfectly fine with one-way bullying. The ends justify the means. They place whatever the agenda du jour is, you know, LGBTQIA+, if it's that, whatever, fine, that's, that's the issue du jour. And they place that agenda above, for example, your child's well-being. And that is the consideration here. That's what we have. You have to understand when dealing with these people. It's not about the agenda. And, and by the way, I, I have long been the kind of conservative I'm a lit and let live guy. If you've listened to me and I've been on the radio a long time, uh, not so long here in Vegas, but but in LA I had a show and, and I've, I've been saying I'm a lit and let live guy. Look, if you want to do what you do, do it. Let me do me, you do you, and we all coexist. But the point in time that you push you on me, that you demand that I am aware of all 300 pronouns out there in the universe, and gosh forbid, I use the wrong one, because then I'm transphobic. At that point, you know, we have a problem. And the, the, the problem is that many, many, many decent Americans who have gone along with all this and have tolerated it because we are, by and large, a tolerant country are now finding themselves on on the far side of of wackadoodle in all of this. We're finding ourselves fight you know f- fighting to just the don't say gay bill, right? When we talk about the don't say gay bill, the the left is framing it that way, right? We we can't even mention homosexuality. It's a bad word. No, we just want parental rights. <laughs> we just want to, hey, my first grader, I, I want to know if, the, I, I, you know, I want a choice whether they're taught matters of sex ed in the classroom. And there is no way that sex ed, in my view, for my kids, and you may feel differently, but for my kids, there's no way that, that a kindergartner, a one-year-old, a first grader, six-year-old, right, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, because it's basically up to third grade, are 
require parental consent for these conversations. It's a parental rights bill. So I'm, you know what, I'm actually resolving from this point forward, I'm going to call it the Florida Parental Rights Bill because that's what it is. And we even, you know, and here I am, I'm even accepting their language and I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I just am, I'm had it. And so that's where some of us that are, have just have some remaining common sense need to stand up and say enough is enough. It is not crazy to look at these folks, these absolute bananas. I'm gonna play it for you again. Here's a teacher. You want this teacher teaching your preschooler? Listen to this. Kids as young as three and four are actually aware of their gender identity, even if they don't have the language for it. To say that pre-K through third grade are not ready for such topics is actually internalized homophobia and transphobia. This is fanaticism. This is this is fanaticism that prioritizes their agenda ahead of your child's welfare. And that, in my view, is something worthy of fighting back against. Of course, you can't fight against it because then you're labeled transphobic. And that's obviously a problem. Okay. Wow. It's another hour gone like that. Um, look, we got to, if you missed any portion of the show, you want to listen to it, Spotify, Apple podcast, find us there. We'll be back tomorrow again, 2 PM to repeat all of this and follow up on these stories. Lots happening. I always wonder at the end of a show, I finish and I go, okay, what am I going to talk about tomorrow? And I wake up in the morning. I go, I know we've had a lot happen. All right, friends, I'll see you again. Uh, have a great day.